0: Welcome to Savor, protection of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have another listener mail episode for you. Ooh, 14. No 14. Number 14. We're almost positive. <laughs>
1: we're almost positive. I did have to look it up, and I'm going to have to double check. <laughs> but it's up there. It's around there. Yeah. Yeah. And this is potentially our last
0: listener mail of 2022 or our first one of 2023. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I I have very little to say <laughs> yeah. when these things publish.
1: It's true. It's true. Uh, but as always, we love hearing from you. Oh, Please yeah. keep your messages coming in. These are yes. some of our very favorite episodes to do.
0: They really are.
1: They really, really are. Um, and you all add so much so much to the conversation what we do so thank you
0: thank yes. you thank you yes. yes
1: and actually the first message i'm really excited to read because it it's a calling it's like the bat signal but the saver signal out to you listeners ooh okay yes. all right okay um <laughs> kelly wrote Greetings and happy holidays. I just heard your cream of tartar episode and had to write in. We do have a family holiday cookie recipe that calls for it. We call them Swedish cookies, and they are mostly butter, sugar, and vanilla, with just barely enough flour and egg to hold them together so they can be called cookies <laughs> rather than frosting <laughs> but then they get frosted with even more butter sugar and vanilla huh. there is a powdered sugar and cream of tartar in the dough and it has the soft fluffy texture so that when it bakes up the cookies are meltingly tender they are amazing and dangerously addictive anyhow the mystery We call them Swedish cookies, but I don't have any Swedish or Scandinavian ancestry in my family. Hmm. I grew up in the northern Great Plains in an area with lots of Scandinavian heritage, so those foods are familiar to us, but we don't have a direct connection, and sometimes details get lost. With these, my mom got the recipe decades ago from some neighbors, and we know that they are kind of a lazy person's, quote, cheater take on a more elaborate original. Our version is pretty much just a drop cookie with a smear of frosting on top, but the traditional version is kind of like a petite albino Oreo. Two circles about the size of a large coin with little holes in a grid pattern, pricked with a fork and the frosting sandwiched in between. I have never made them this way myself, but I've definitely seen them and eaten them at the holidays when I was growing up. I was hoping your listeners might be able to help me figure out two things. One, what's the name of the original cookie? I've tried to search it a couple of times, but haven't found it yet. And two, How do you make the original ones? The dough is so soft, it's almost a batter, and I can't imagine rolling it out and using a cookie cutter. I don't think it would hold together. Do you pipe it into the little circles, spread it on a cookie sheet, bake it first, and then cut them out while it's warm? If anyone out there recognizes these Hmm. cookies, knows what they're called, and how to make the Scandi Oreos version, I would love to know. Ooh. I love this. Yes. Yes. Well, you are okay. like
0: calling the whole saver listenership together to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the saver signal is lit. Yeah, all you—you had the task is before you. Yes, and we. Have I have never faith. heard of these. Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've never heard of these either. Um, and no, I
1: haven't. But this is one of my very favorite things about like holiday cookies is that. They're so far-flung. Yeah. And in my family, we made, you know, I've talked about it, but like gingerbread cookies, sometimes sugar cookies. But I I had a friend who her family would do these huge holiday cookie events. And it was like a whole day thing. And I went to it once. It was exhausting, but it was very fun. Uh And there were just so many cookies in there that I was like, I've never heard of this cookie. Like, where did it come from? And they'd be like, yeah, our our relatives from the Midwest or this is from a very specific Part of Northern New York, or this is like <laughs> just all of these things. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always love um seeing other people's cookie platters for for the holidays because, right? Like, I'm always like, "Well, what is that one? I want to eat it. Like, Tell me all about it." Yeah, like I've I've never heard of this before, but now I need a dozen. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think somebody reminded me the other day. I forgot this
1: was a thing, but remember those like tins of cookies that people would give out that would kind of be like like the fudge version of like here's this one that's filled with cherry here's this one that's filled with. but it would be like the christmas tin cookie version of that yeah i think inside it there was one like this like the oreo one Mm. you're describing i seem to recall that um so i might do some investigating of my own okay my mom might
0: know about this (laughs) awesome Mm -hmm. Uh, Sheldon wrote, uh, on filberts. Back in the early 60s, back when I was in New York City, my father would always buy a bag of mixed nuts at Christmas time. I remember him telling me the different kinds of nuts. Uh, some were hard to open, Brazil nuts, and some were easy. My favorite was the filbert because it was easy to open and tasted good. Fast forward almost 60 years and I'd completely forgotten about filberts because I never saw them anymore, but I knew about hazelnuts. I never knew they were the same until listening to your show. Then it all made sense. On knishes. Uh, again, back in the 60s in New York City. Jamaica, Queens had a big bus terminal, and some subway lines started there. It was often a destination by itself, or when going someplace else. There was a canish booth in the bus terminal where you could get fresh fried canishes. Um, My friend Dan convinced me to try one, and I loved them. I thought they were the best thing in the world and would often take a three-mile bike ride to Jamaica just for a knish. Then one day I went to a Jewish deli in Lake Success and had a knish there. Wow, the homemade knishes from that small deli were out of this world. Everything that deli did was great. Uh, Then the Taylor ham brought back a memory of visiting my sister about 40 years ago when she lived in Jersey. But that's not why I'm writing to you. A week ago, I drove through a nearby town and stopped to get cheese curds from the cheese factory, so fresh that the curds were still in the cow the day before. I noticed this sign, and it made me think that I will finally get to see you two when your road trip takes you up here for the curd festival one of these summers. The name of the town is French, uh, so it's pronounced uh, St. Albert, not St. Albert. Um, mm. But yes, so it, it's, it's a sign, and it says, uh, like, like, welcome... To the Kurd Festival, yes, to the Kurd Capital. Oh, the uh, Kurd Capital, yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I mean, um, yes,
1: you've—that's like the the classic. You've set a trap, and we can't resist it. Yeah, um, no, that.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I've got to go. I've. I, go. I need
0: to go to the Kurd Capital. I yes. <laughs>
1: squeaking teeth all around <laughs> um no very 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 much would love to do that yeah Oh. Uh-huh. Um, also a couple of listeners have written in about where we could potentially find taylor ham in the south okay. and specifically okay. taylor ham i would say oh oh wow. I, uh, I see all right mm-hmm. <laughs> and i love this i'm i got to try kanish oh oh my gosh <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it also makes me happy that I wasn't the
0: only one that didn't know a filbert was a hazelnut. Um, not alone. Yeah. Alone. Oh no. 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 Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. We. I. Are. Are you keeping a list of these things, or is it just kind of? Because I know you. I, I know that you're a list keeper. So. I'm a
1: list. I'm a list human for sure. Yeah. Um. Of the places we're supposed to go. Uh, or of the gonna, foods I, was, I have to try. Of the <laughs> foods we have to try. Yeah. <laughs> I have a list. I do have a Oh, okay. List. All right. Um, good. Um, It's funny, though, because we, you know, we try our best, but we get kind of waylaid by a bunch of things or the other. But I have a bunch of foods from, like, when we first started <laughs> that I have in my <laughs> cupboard or my refrigerator that yeah. I still haven't tried because we've got to try them together. Sure, uh, right? So, I've got like a can of sugar cane in there, oh. <laughs> like durian.
0: <laughs> I got all kinds of things, <laughs> oh. yeah. But we will, um, we will, we will. What a feast! A what? feast. Oh, goodness, what a confusing, feast. <laughs> a confusing, beautiful feast! Uh, speaking of,
1: okay, huh. uh, John shared this image with us, and it's a day's in sign and it says 32 inch hd tv eggs waffles biscuit and gravy hot tub but the way it's the way it's situated on the sign gravy mm-hmm. hot tub looks like one phrase as opposed to biscuits and gravy comma hot tub
0: right right the 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 gravy hot tub is the full bottom line yeah yes. so and the caption is
1: tell me more about this gravy hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> but that did make me think of the was it gravy wrestling we oh, talked about yeah. oh, no. <laughs> in our
0: gravy episode. <laughs> okay. So it's um, not far off from reality, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a that's like a gravy kitty pool, but like, yeah, like a yeah, sure. Why not? It Why makes not? more sense for it to be warm. So gravy that's hot tub. True. That's true. I bet someone's
1: tried it. Oh,
0: someone's done it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, sorry, Lauren,
1: but we've got to face the reality here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well,
0: okay, uh, we do have a lot more listener mail for you. We do, but first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid
1: erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
3: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip.
0: We're back, thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Uh, Belinda wrote a message with the subject line, Pop-Tarts Down Under. Uh, We do indeed have Pop-Tarts. I had to search our supermarket app to be sure. uh, See picture. I've never eaten one, but may now try one, just out of curiosity. But I'm pretty sure they won't be for me. Who knows? Also, uh, please enjoy this picture of Cube. He certainly thinks he is a person and waits until we stop eating to hop up on a seat and enjoy post meal conversation
1: and cube is so cute listeners
0: <laughs> he's so cute he looks like one of my friends dog it's like a big
1: um in the sweetest most endearing way goofy dog uh-huh um and
0: it's just like resting his big old head on the table yeah
1: um, it's very cute cube is a great aim Excellent oh aim.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I do one of my very favorite things, honestly, like on the planet is when pets sit in people seats, <laughs> like especially around a table like they're people. Um, right. It's so good. Like it just it delights me to no end. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there was um, to tie this to D&D. There was a ah. really great <laughs> session uh-huh. of this other D&D game that I was playing once where um, uh one of the one of the new players, like Loki, accidentally got himself permed like the first session.
1: Oh, uh-huh. um, uh huh.
0: Um, uh, which is shorthand for for uh, per- permanently killed. Like like the character got himself per- permanently killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the DM was trying to find a way around it, so he like 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 brought the player in question into the other room. And in the meanwhile, the 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 cat of the house jumped up in the chair. And was like, all right, guys, I'm ready to roll. Like that guy, <laughs> that guy did the silly thing. Like, let's, yeah. Yeah.
1: I can I can take I can take control of this. I'll be better than he would. hmm <laughs> Might as well. Right? Um, yeah, and we did we got some of our D D crew together recently at our holiday work party. Yeah. Uh, and that was really cool. But I also learned Lauren. There is a national appreciation for your DM slash GM day in March. So, I, I mean, oh. just maybe put that <laughs> in the back of your brain.
0: Maybe. <laughs> Not saying. Just saying. Just um, saying. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll look that up. I'll look that up. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah yes. Um, and <laughs> Also, thank you, Belinda, for doing this research about Pop-Tarts because we did... We had a question. They had been discontinued in Australia uh, for a while, but it seems that they are—they are back. They're back. Uh, please let us know how your tasting went. Honestly, I don't even know you, but I bet you won't like them. <laughs> yeah, the,
0: yeah. If you don't think they're gonna be for you, then yeah, I don't. I doubt they're for you. Yeah,
1: but I hope it went well. Maybe yeah we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, Kelsey. Followed up with us with a hazelnut update because Kelsey had previously written in about uh, harvesting all these hazelnuts. All the I hazelnuts. Yes. So, so many hazelnuts. Yeah. So many hazelnuts. Uh, So Kelsey wrote, I am in the middle of proving dough for dinner rolls. As a result of this downtime, I am sending you an update on the processing of our hazelnut harvest. This morning, I made some spiced nuts. The trial batch last week had too much sugar, but having half the sugar, I am delighted with the result. So kiddos and teachers are getting crunchy, sweet, spicy, salty, homegrown candied hazelnuts for their holiday gift. And here's the recipe. Four cups raw dried hazelnuts, one egg white, one half cup brown sugar, one teaspoon salt, one fourth teaspoon each cinnamon, nutmeg, coriander, cumin, all ground, and one eighth teaspoon cayenne pepper. Mix sugar, salt, and spices in a large bowl, set aside, In a smaller bowl, whisk egg white until frothy. Add nuts and mix until all coated in egg white. Add egg white coated nuts to sugar mixture and mix well. Spread nuts on a lined baking sheet and bake at 375 degrees Fahrenheit for 15 minutes or until caramelized. Remove from oven and cool completely. Break up resulting praline, praline, whatever. We've struggled with that one before, slash oh. brittle situation into individual nuts and serve or store in an airtight container for two-ish days. Can be frozen in an airtight container for longer storage to defrost, place in a flat layer on a pan or plate and thaw at room temperature. Once defrosted, serve as you wish. These can also be crunched up and added to baked goods, sprinkled oh. over ice cream, added to salads, etc., uh, and final tip: lining the pan is important. I generally prefer to just grease my pans, but that would lead to a very sticky situation.
0: Huh? <laughs> mm. Oh, always with those tips, right? Yeah,
1: I need the emphasis because I've said I'm somebody who takes like any shortcut I can. But I need if, if somebody's like, don't no, take a really. shortcut. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> so thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Oh, and that does sound so good. It does, doesn't it? Oh, I don't think gosh. I've ever had a, a cumin situation in a um, in a in a night, nut mix like that, and that sounds mm. so good. It does. Yeah. I want it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> delicious, delicious. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, yeah, and, and good good luck. Good luck with the rest of the hazelnuts. Yes. Keep us posted. Keep us, yeah. us. <laughs> Oh. Ah, um, Valerie wrote. I love artichokes, and I loved your episode on artichokes. I live in Michigan, where it's challenging to grow artichokes because artichoke plants are killed by frost, and they don't make artichokes until their second year. Our winters are thoroughly frosty, so artichoke plants don't survive into a second year here, which means that they would never get a chance to form artichokes. To grow them in Michigan, you need to buy seeds for a specially bred variety of artichoke. You start the seeds indoors under lights in the winter. Then in the spring, you set your potted seedlings outdoors in a sheltered area for a set number of days when the nights are just above freezing, uh, bringing them indoors anytime the weather forecast predicts overnight frost. This chilling simulates winter for the seedlings. Then when you plant them outdoors in the garden, it's like they are in their second year, which means that they can grow artichokes. In 2021, I grew two artichoke plants that each made one small artichoke and one tiny one. I've attached a picture of one of my plants with a small artichoke and a teeny tiny artichoke growing there. Uh, Considering the amount of work it took, this wasn't much food, um, but I was delighted to be able to grow artichokes at all. And the tiny artichokes were delicious. Ooh, I bet they were. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Oh, I've never, certainly never had one that fresh. That's wild.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I love this kind of like workaround determination to grow them. Yeah, um, I, I honestly, I love like tiny versions of vegetables, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes I have a shishito plant, and I'll I'll get a little baby shishitos, and it's no. like the best thing ever. And I should <laughs> I should be more patient, I know, but also they really don't grow that big um, <laughs> for whatever reason I'm doing wrong, I'm sure. Um, huh. But yeah, this is awesome. They are super cute. I have not eaten my artichoke dish yet. I have the ingredients, but I'm going to make a like really bright artichoke caper pasta. Oh, right, with lemon. yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to mm-hmm. to 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 do that myself one day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: So Clarice, who is binging the show, wrote us two messages. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. So here's the first one. Your latkes episode had me salivating. Hmm. I think it was the idea of frying them in chicken fat because I am convinced the combination of chicken and fried potato is medicinal. Hmm. Side note, I stayed with my brother's family recently and my sister-in-law roast a chicken each week to break up for lunch meat. It smelled wonderful while she was cooking it, but she wouldn't let me scrape the juices from the tray afterwards. Hmm. And then, to pile travesty on travesty, she threw the skin away because it's fatty. (laughs) Uh, But back to latkes. I mentioned my salivating over latkes on Facebook, and several Jewish friends shared their favorite toppings. Sweet seems to be a favorite, Mm. and one friend's family also enjoys the applesauce and sour cream combo. Another friend's preference is plain, but she's very firm that you don't forget the onion. In doing some quick reading, I found a great suggestion for squeezing the liquid from the grated potato. A writer suggested laying your cloth flat, spreading the potato across, and rolling the cloth up Swiss roll style before twisting it. I make zucchini fritters pretty frequently, and they have to have the liquid squeezed out too. Usually, I put my grated zucchini and onion into the middle of the cloth, twist it into a ball, and then squeeze it. It never removes as much liquid as I'd like, and often the cloth tears from the pressure. I'll definitely be trying a cloth Swiss roll next time. Oh yeah! Oh, that's so smart. Oh, oh gosh, that sounds so good. <laughs> You're right. I mean, chicken fat and fried potatoes, chicken and fried potatoes, so good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, right? Oh, oh, and it is a travesty. I, I. Also had a relative who would throw away like the skin and the the juices left behind, and I would always be like, "Why? No, oh, please, no!
0: <laughs> we could use that for something. For everything. <laughs> oh, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, a, a dear, a dear friend of mine who actually passed recently, um, by the name of Daryl, uh, uh, used to, you know, we, we would we'd have like kind of family style dinners, and so everything would be kind of straight from the from the oven onto, I, I mean, a hot pad on the table not directly on the table we're not not (laughs) monsters um but uh but yeah like at some point during the dinner once everyone had been served and we were all having a nice time like he would just kind of like like very ostentatiously like take a piece of bread um make sure it was like the right size and shape and like drop it directly into the pan juices and Mm -hmm. be like oops (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm.
4: and then let it kind of
0: hang out there and then like divide it up and give people pieces it's so good (laughs) oh gosh that sounds delicious
1: (laughs) yes 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 and I love this like survey of toppings of black because yeah mm -hmm. oh
0: yeah right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, okay so uh so here is Clarissa's second message So I'm lying around at the moment listening to the savor back catalog trying to keep warm during a cold, wet Australian summer. No, really, there are parts of Australia on track for a white Christmas. And what do I hear during the 2017 episode about the ascendancy of French food but that pernicious myth conception that medieval food was rotten and that's why they used a lot of spices? I was horrified, stunned, speechless. I even stopped petting the cat, so he's sulking now. I realize this is an old episode, but I do hope you've learned better. Uh, People in medieval Europe were fully aware that bad food, especially meat, made people very sick, and food was sold under strict guidelines in most cities. In London, for instance, meat sellers were subject to regular inspections, and up until around the 18th century, meat could only be offered for a day in the summer before it had to be thrown away. Uh, Street vendors were also regulated as to where and what they could sell, and also could only keep their wares for a short time before throwing it away. Many court cases from the medieval period are regarding food sellers trying to sell dodgy food. And while this shows how many vendors were trying to get away with breaking the regulations, uh, the frequency of trials and convictions shows how serious the city officials were about enforcing food safety. Uh, Incidentally, most of that old food in cities was chucked into the nearest river. Uh, Stories about polluted water from the medieval period are at least partially true. Uh, the cost of spices should also indicate that they weren't used on bad food. Uh, when a single nutmeg, for instance, cost more than a day's wages for an average laborer, even wealthy people weren't going to waste their spices on bad meat. Well, it seems the cat has stopped sulking, so I'd best get back to uh, living cat pillow mode. <laughs> A mode which I understand deeply. Yes. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen it
1: happen while recording.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: I don't remember the context of this, but I have heard this myth a lot. I, I could probably. I would bet eighty-five percent chance that I mentioned the Seinfeld episode where they talk about this. No, because I haven't re-listened to this episode in a long time. But this was a whole thing in a Seinfeld episode. Uh, but it was like not medieval times, obviously. Huh. Um, <laughs> Perhaps that's true because I I feel like I'm likely to, if I have something that's going a little off, to put a little little more Ah! spices in there. Oh my goodness, (laughs) yeah!
0: Uh, yeah, no, I I think I think we, I I believe in that episode, we, we mentioned that, yeah, like one of the reasons that people might have been using a heavy dose of spices in food at the time was that it was like a little bit off, um, but uh. But yeah, yeah, it, it it is it is pernicious. You are completely correct. Um, it is so widely so widely reported and right and like so pretty much widely debunked. Um, <laughs> so so yes, uh, if we if we reported that, um, then thank you for mm-hmm. correcting us and huzzah for 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 doing better in the future. Huzzah. yes, yes yes yes. Um, well, we do have a few more messages for you. We do. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsors.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. back thank you sponsor yes thank you okay so our friend our good friend and colleague and D campaign member uh-huh ben Bolin, wrote to us <laughs> um, hello saver crew big fan a long time listener yada 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 hope this yeah. message finds you all well here on the precipice of the new year i'm writing in response to a recent tweet from saver inviting listener mail i have so many dumb questions mainly about food <laughs> One, what do you all think about the various proposals for, not sure how to best put this, feeding the future? I'm thinking in particular of things like lab-grown slash cultivated meat. Is it viable? What are some of the problems with this stuff? The UN's habit? Uh, periodically going, hey, seriously, everyone start eating insects. Huh. Um, what are some of the world's weirdest condiments? Thinking mostly about things that would be unfamiliar to people in North America, as I'm hoping to expand my collection. Uh-huh. And then, what are some of your favorite books about cooking, food history, and so on? Always looking for new stuff to read, and I've immensely enjoyed your book recommendations in the past. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, to be clear um ben is a very thoughtful and thorough person so a lot of these came with links for us to look into for future episodes which i did not read
0: but these are all great like future episodes Um, starters oh yeah goodness i i absolutely um uh lab grown meat is in particular is one that we we touched on a little bit in some episode I think we did it in uh, the I alternative think. meat. There you go. Yeah, episode. yeah. That that would make sense. Um. Uh. But but right. Um. All all of the updates on that are so fascinating.
1: Yeah, because there's been a pretty big one out of Sweden. I think mm. somewhere mm-hmm. somewhere in Northern Europe there's been a big update about that. Um. We've been meaning to do insects for a while. That's one that I kind of feel protective of because I feel like so many people are like, oh, that's gross," and it's not. Um, it's not. No. It's not. <laughs> it's yeah. Weird. I mean, no, don't I, be judging on other people's. Yeah,
0: no, certainly not.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then weirdest condiments, I think I would have to really I you probably have a better answer than me because you worked on Snack Stuff with Ben. Huh. Uh, I don't have one that comes immediately to mind. Um, but I mean I feel like from outsiders looking in, I've seen people perplexed at some of our condiments in the US. <laughs> <laughs> now I know we talked about some in Canada, but I think that was more, like, ketchup-flavored chips, not the condiment itself. Yeah. Um, which, again, um, I'm not – if you like it, I fall for it.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, ketchup made with different things than tomatoes around right. the world. Right, um, yeah. Or I, I think, really, when it comes down to it, condiments are heckin' weird, like, just to start with. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so any, anything that you're not used to personally is, like, you did what to a tomato? Like, pardon? Like, um, Right. So <laughs> – uh that being said always looking for 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 new weird ones Um, Yes, and yeah oh heck always 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 with the new books um yeah I mean I would say a
1: solid Our Fermented Lives Dr. Julia Skinner yes um I enjoyed it and uh like it it was just it was so fun to read it was like a really refreshing the way she laid it out and then had recipes at the end we love fermentation I love it Um, I actually do like a good cookbook that's told almost in a more story-like format, which we've had a couple of those on here before.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I'd, I'd say, um, that one of my favorite authors along those lines is David Leibovitz, um, Mm -hmm. who does a lot of, uh, like, like pastry and dessert stuff. Um, and, uh, he's got, he's got a few fun ones just, just kind of talking through, um, being an American dude who's moved to Paris and kind of exploring the city through the cuisine there, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's that's super fun. But but oh, there there are too many there are too many books. And I <laughs> honestly, after I get done with my day job, which involves like reading all day, I do not <laughs> I do not read <laughs> after work, uh, which I. Which I I try not to be too hard on myself about because I'm like, well, like, it's all right for your brain to be tired. Like, right. Like you just brained a lot. So. Yeah. And we read for this job.
1: Um, Yeah. I read fan fiction and I'm not ashamed of it. (laughs) Um, Also, just two quick shout outs, uh, because Ben is a wonderful friend of ours, but also Mm -hmm. has done wonderful things. Uh, The Stuff They Don't Want You To Know book. Uh, yeah,
0: speaking of books, heck. Right. Ben yeah. wrote a book about uh the stuff that they don't want you to know. Yeah. Yes. Uh <laughs> conspiracies. Yeah, fringe, fringe theories, uh conspiracy theories. Um yeah, and it's lovely. Um yeah. our our friend uh, Nick Benson did um did the illustrations for it. Um if if you guys are are looking for a fun weird read. <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, for yourself or others that's a great one
1: mhm then also uh you and ben are involved in the 12 ghosts
0: of christmas podcast. yeah 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 uh, name got shortened to just 12 ghosts oh I'm wondering if it's because they're like, why are we locking ourselves into Christmas? Let's have 12 ghosts all year round. I don't, I don't yes. know. I cannot report on that. That's just pure speculation. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. This is another one of iHeart's um uh and, and Aaron Menke's uh uh horror anthology series. Um so it's a limited series, it's like half an hour an episode. There's 12 episodes that we've been um publishing leading up one one a day leading up to Christmas. Um, and uh Uh, Yeah, it's run by our buddy uh, Nick Tikoski, who is just a fabulous weirdo and has brought this like real... Uh, kind of tenderness to all of these horror stories all of these ghost stories and um in a sort of warmth um, to sort of offset the cold of the season you know um mm-hmm. and they got Malcolm heck and McDowell to be <laughs> one of the main characters in it so that's wild um, yes. another dear friend Gina Kiki is the lead against him and uh yeah Ben wrote one of the stories um that is so sad and wonderful um uh the one that I, I didn't write any thing for it but i got to narrate one and that one's coming out tomorrow i'm so nervous <laughs> oh. oh i'm sure it's spectacular no. <laughs> but no. i understand the nervousness i don't dismiss the
1: nervousness yeah. but i'm sure it's great <laughs> yeah um
0: i, I will say if, if y'all are into that kind of thing and you did not listen to um 13 Days of Halloween, I have to say these titles very carefully um, because I get them mixed up in my head. Uh, But yeah, uh, Annie wrote um, uh, a really, really beautiful, really heartbreaking horror story for that one that um, I'm still kind of mad about. So so thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I want. (laughs) That's
1: all I want to accomplish. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So all of the shout outs, we work with some amazing people and all of this stuff is on our on our list and perhaps we'll bring Ben in to discuss some of these things.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's I'm like, Ben, are these pitches? Like come on. Like let's like come on. We love pitches. So yeah. Yeah, right. All right. Um, uh, continuing in this line of shout outs, um, we've we've got a few uh, to to round out this this episode with um, first uh, for a podcast that we think you might enjoy. They're not a sponsor. They just wrote us like some some quick bullet points about what they're doing. And it sounds it sounds so cool. All right. So um, so here's what they say. So the show is called uh, Candy is Dandy. And they say uh, it's a podcast devoted entirely to reviewing Candy. It's hosted by uh, comedians and longtime best friends, of Greg Gonzalez, uh, Beto Sistos, and Daniel Zafrin. Each episode, they pick a different candy, give its history, and then taste and review it on air. They've done an episode on Snickers and found out it was named after a horse. Uh, They discovered the connection Butterfingers have to the atomic bomb. They got to the religious roots of Ferrero Rocher. They tasted way too many peach rings with uh, Comedy Bang Bang's Carl Tart. If you love candy, you're going to love this show. Uh, find "Candy Is Dandy," the candy review podcast, anywhere the podcasts are found. Oh, that sounds so fun!
1: <laughs> right? That's so up our alley. Oh my gosh! See, oh, I remember my pitch for Twisted. Oh,
0: I right. want to do
1: discontinued candies. Uh, yeah. Well, Candy Is Dandy. If you if you were ever like, we could we could have a a mini series. Of discontinued, discontinued ones. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You don't get to do uh,
0: the the taste test, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's eliminating that part
1: of it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but then you have to describe it based on like your probably your overly nostalgic memory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> find the closest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that sounds really really fun. Um, and then we got this message via Instagram, and this is somebody we might have on the show. Uh, So Dr. Alex Ketchum wrote... Dear SaverPod, my name is Alex Ketchum, and I am the author of the book Ingredients for Revolution, A History of Feminist Restaurants, Cafes, and Coffee Houses. The book tells the story of primarily lesbian, queer women, and folks who started these spaces from 1972 to 2022. More info about the book is available here. Um, And I'm also super happy to answer other questions about the book. The book also touches on the history of cookbooks and discusses cookbooks throughout the book, but especially in chapters 5 and 8. The book is available in the United States starting in December, and I am hoping that you will consider it for a future episode. Related episode topics, history of these spaces, what feminist food means, meant historically, feminist cookbook history, and more.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Speaking of books, like I'm interested to read this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's, I mean, aside from being a, a personal, a subject of personal interest to both of us, um, uh, if, if y'all don't listen to Annie's other show stuff, Mom never told you. Um, it is our, uh, it it is a show about feminism and, um, and lady humans and gender and all those kind of questions about what that is and and what it does in the world. So,
1: yeah. And this is something I find really fascinating because we've talked about, we've talked about things like protest cookbooks or the power of recipes, Mm -hmm. the women behind organizing things who are, you know, making these foods, who are supplying the food for people, um, it's so important and often dismissed because it's quote heavy quotes women's work.
0: Right, um, right. Um,
1: so I'm I yeah, I'm just fascinated by this and tracing the history of it. Because we do we do talk about it in here quite frequently because things like I mean Betty Crocker is one that sticks out in my mind where <laughs> yeah. it was essentially kind of like a lot of male executives realizing that women wanted like <laughs> Somebody to help them make stuff and to give yeah. them company and tips, and it's just fascinating to me those sort of intersections uh, in this world.
0: Yeah, of course. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right, right. So thank you so much for for writing in and letting letting us know about that, Alex. And um, and yeah, other other humans who have. If if you're ever working on something that you think we would think is cool, yes. I'm pretty sure we would. Um, yes. A <laughs> So like Uh B, you should definitely tell us about it.
1: (laughs) Yes, please, please do. I mean, we say it all the time, but it's true you all are doing amazing stuff like yes. constantly i am in awe oh like, my heck and yes. you listen to
0: us yeah, <laughs> <It's> right <awesome. laughs> on purpose <laughs> like <right? laughs>
1: it's fantastic i love this like listener community we have i love that you call on each other for help finding cookies or that you have yeah. suggestions for other listeners for us it's it's wonderful.
0: It makes my heart feel nice and full. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. So. Oh. Uh, so. So. Thank you so much to, to to all of y'all who who wrote in. Um. It, it's a, it's a really great like like holiday treat to it is. Um, to
1: have all of these. Yes, it is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you would like to write to us,
0: you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and the aforementioned Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Uh, Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. visit
0: Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico.
1: Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it.
0: When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five star experiences to local favorites.
1: No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at DiscoverPuertoRico.com.
4: The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God.